0: Welcome to the first episode of our Slayers series, everybody. We've got designer and previous guest on the show, Spencer Campbell here with us today. But before we get to the episode and learn about this remarkable game, here's what you can expect after the show.
1: Join us back here in the call to action to hear more about Girl Scout cookies, our new Undying Bonds episode from last week, last month's newsletter an appearance by Ryan and I on the podcast Characters Without Stories, and we'll also have our other standard end-of-the-episode reminders and Patreon things, and I'm sorry, an updated review.
0: Oh, yes, 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 we do.
1: All right.
0: Until then, enjoy the show, everybody. Welcome to Character Creation Cast, a show where we discuss and create characters, the best part of role-playing games, with guests using their favorite systems. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan, and this episode, my co-host Amelia and I are excited to welcome back Spencer Campbell, designer of the game that we are covering today, Slayers, a tabletop RPG of Monster Hunters for Hire.
1: Spencer. Welcome back to Character Creation Cast. I'm very excited that we finally get to talk about this game. It's been on my shelf for a couple years now, and like... I love this game so much, so I'm really excited that you're here.
2: <laughs> I'm really, really excited to be here, too. I'm excited to talk about Slayers. I love Slayers. It's near and dear to my heart, so I'm excited to be able to, to share it with folks and to, to be able to talk, to, especially with you, Amelia. I, I, like, I really want to talk to you. <laughs> Ryan, you're great, but like, I really want to talk to Amelia about this game. <laughs> I'm
1: excited. Uh, do you want to tell everybody a little bit more about yourself? Um, what kind of projects you have going on right now? Like All 12 of them that you're doing or something oh, 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 right now? Oh,
2: my, my anxiety. <laughs> (laughs) Now I have to list them out and I'm going to see
1: exactly how much I've gotten uh, into.
2: Sure. So I'm Spencer Campbell. Uh, You might know me under the name Gila RPGs, which is sort of what I publish under. Um, I've made games like like Slayers, what we're playing today, Nova, which we talked about in a previous episode, which was a lot of fun, Uh, the Lumen System, Light, and then kind of most recently Rune, which is my solo Souls-like game. Uh, what with it being the Elden Ring one-year birthday pretty recently, it was exciting to kind of mm-hmm. be in Elden Ring Souls mode. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's stuff that I've made. What I'm working on? Oh, no. What? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, I've got a game that is coming to Kickstarter very soon called Null. Uh, that is a solo or it's not a solo. It's a it's a one shot Lumen game, which I just thought mm. would be really fun where you graft nanotechnology to yourself and you go into these horrible nightmare spaces. Uh, I have about 15 different Nova expansions and supplements that I'm working on, Um <laughs> And on my list is Nova Mars after talking to you both and you yes. inserting that idea into
1: my brain. I had completely forgotten about that yeah. until this moment. I, I, I
2: oh, have a I have a document that's called the Novaverse, which is all the Nova stuff that I want to work on. And, and I'm scrolling through it and I go, Nova Mars. Oh, that's right, Nova Mars.
1: <laughs> I mean, to be fair, you inflicted that upon us now too. And so now we are making a game using Lumen, yes, um right. of magical girls and necromancers mm-hmm. called Undying Bonds. Oh. Um, the Undying Bonds of Love and Friendship. Uh, so, you know, that's partly your fault, too. Yeah. I'm, really, so, I'm
2: really happy to have, have, have cursed you. I'm, that. It's,
1: we're having so much fun with it. We're having so much so fun much with fun. it. So, I'm... I'm really excited to talk about another game here, too, because this one is, is very different from Nova, but like still so much fun. Thank
2: you. Absolutely. Yeah, the the, the Lumen system is a fun one to tinker with, right? So like it's mm-hmm. like Null, I wrote in like a weekend time because it was just like, oh, what if I just made a weird, wacky game where we had cool nanotechnology powers and fought robots? And then I made a game out of it and it was really fun to do. So And everybody has their own unique take on it. So I can't wait to see what you all do with your version of the system, because literally... I Like, I've never even written a game that's true to the Lumen SRD as it is written. So, like, everybody does it their own right? way, so I can't wait to see what you do.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I can't either. I mean,
2: right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're still in the very early stages where, like, what do we call that? Mm. Like, that's a good idea. Uh-huh. We should name it something. <laughs> but, yeah. like, very little actual mechanics yet.
2: Well, early naming is just so dangerous, right? Because you give something a name and then it sticks because you can't like unbreak yourself from that name. So like so many things or project names I've given, they just have a name that I've never been able to overcome. I'm just like, oh, I can't believe I named it this. And it's just I can't my brain will (laughs) always see it as this and I can't undo it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're the only one, though. Like to everybody else,
0: whatever they read first is what they're gonna what latch is. onto. That's yeah. what it is. But like, if you're the only one, I mean, that's you can true. you can take that telltale heart to the grave at yeah. that point.
1: And in the meantime, we're over here. We're like, this word is too long. We need yeah. this too many syllables. It's too many syllables. Like, we gotta too call many that something shorter. How's
0: that gonna? It's gonna look weird on the character sheet. Like it's gonna
1: yeah. Like if you have to write that out, that's a long word. I know.
0: <laughs> But it's a good word. It's a good word. It matches but that's not what we're are. talking about
1: here. We're no. not talking about our game.
0: Absolutely not. We're talking um, about Spencer's nah. game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you have it on good authority, though, that uh, there is a person in this call that will be at the top of the list of playtesting for that game?
1: <gasps> oh, is it it's me? It's Amelia. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> the only option. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's go ahead and get into this game, Slayers, uh, and we're going to start by discussing what the game is all about. What's in a game? All right. So what is the core concept of Slayers?
2: So Slayers is a game in which you play as the titular Slayers. You are monster monster hunters for hire in a cursed city. Uh, It's just called the city because its name was lost long ago when the curse Mm. was kind of placed on it. And you basically travel through the many, truly limitless number of unique districts hunting monsters that are uh, terrorizing the people who live in this very spooky, weird city. Hmm. So so it's a magical girl game. It's exactly that, (laughs) yes. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Sure. (laughs) Okay, but also necromancers, right? Oh, okay, <laughs> right, yeah, well, yeah, okay. of course. Every,
2: everything has to have a little bit of necromancy in it, yeah. uh-huh. right?
1: Um, can you tell us a little bit more about the city and like the different districts and stuff in the setting for this game?
2: Yeah, so the setting takes place, like I said, in this place called the city, which is a. It was. It's a. It's a city that was cursed, and the origins of the curse. There's lots of rumors out there. It's open to sort of your own interpretation, but the curse of the city is that it must forever expand onward towards the horizon. So there are no actual borders to the city because it just keeps getting bigger. Um, oh, wow. And there are kind of these concepts that if there was an edge to the city, that it's moving forward and it's absorbing places that it is expanding into, and those places become the new districts of the, of the city. And so Districts is a big part of the game where there are sort of these unique microcosms that are very different from one another. And, you know, growing up um, in and around Chicago, the neighborhoods of Chicago are very much these sort of like little zones that are kind of their own, they each have their own feel. And when you move from one neighborhood Mm. in Chicago to another, it's a totally, it can be a totally different vibe, different architecture, different food, different everything going on. And I love that. And so I kind of imagine a city that, just keeps doing that so that anytime you're moving from one (laughs) district to another you might be in a kind of a classic gothic spooky industrial Mm -hmm. era victorian london monster hunter vibe but then you turn a corner and you're in this wildly colorful almost like hollywood inspired like palm trees along a beach sort of vibe like because the city is cursed to keep absorbing things from beyond its borders it keeps changing the way that it looks and so that's interesting you can kind of play whatever genre you want
1: star wars biomes Mm. happening and like single planet yeah (laughs) situation all around the city yeah
2: that sounds really cool yeah and so like you know you can stay inside a district for however long you want you can stay there and do a single hunt there and be like cool we saw what this district is about let's bounce and go see a totally different place or you could really just deep dive into a district and say like oh we like the vibes of this place we want to like connect Mm -hmm. with the NPCs more we want to discover more locations let's stay here and hunt here for a while before we decide to move on to a totally different feel
0: yeah I really like the philosophical implications of that too like if the city's ever expanding and there's always new people populated in these new expansions like where did they come from? Mm-hmm. <laughs> is everything just normal to them? Is, you is, can
1: never technically leave.
0: Right. It's the Hotel California of cities.
1: I know. I was just going to say.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are, there. you know, I don't do a lot of um, over description of settings in a lot of my games because I like to let tables build a lot of setting stuff together. And Mm -hmm. so there are, you know, there are some things that I write in the book that say, like, these are generally the things that are kind of always the case in the city. And then the rest of it is kind of up to you. And Mm -hmm. one of the concepts that's like kind of generally the case is that when these new districts do crop up, there's this like weird brief like integration period where you have to become one with the city and there are very few factions in the city that are truly citywide, but one of them are called the Wanderers. And they're the mm. essentially the, the people who know how to navigate the city better than everyone else. They help build transportation that's uniquely f- suitable for your district. And mm. so they're the first ones that show up when you get integrated in the city and they go, hey, welcome. Uh, this probably feels a little weird. We're going to help oh, get you kind of set up around here uh, so that you know okay. how to get um, connected to the other districts.
1: I just wanna play one of those.
2: It would be cool to be uh a group of want like part of the Wanderers Guild and and like moving wow. yeah. around and establishing these sort of like
1: my like organizational mm. like map making, like infrastructure planning brain mm. is like, ooh, what if
0: you just created civil engineering the RPG.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs>
2: But, like, that's that's kind of their 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 goal is they look at a district and they go, okay, this is different than all the districts around it. They, we can't use a one-size-fits-all transportation system. So what mm-hmm. do they need in order to move about in this district and connect it to its neighbors? So, like, there are, like, the Witchwood, which is one of the districts in the city, is a very vertical district because it's it's these forests that are kind of stacked on top of each other. So they need, like, an elevator system. But other yeah. districts won't need that. Others will need, like, massive chains to pull ferry boats and things like that across massive gaps or, you know, water and yeah. things like that. And mm-hmm. so they they come in, they figure out what your district is about, and then they give you the tools you need to get connected.
1: That's so cool. Yeah, so interesting. I just love the concept of like this ever-expanding city too, because I just think as, as a, like sort of from a meta standpoint, as a GM that gives you so much opportunity for storytelling and for, you know, like potentially mixing different groups together. You start playing like as a one shot, and then you're like, you know what? I want this to be a campaign, but I've written myself into a corner. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, now we can go over here to this other side of mm-hmm. it. Like, there's just so much opportunity for flexibility and expansion there. Mm-hmm.
2: And you can stay like, you know, like I said, you can stay in a district as long as you want. So maybe you do kind of a mini arc in one district and you stay there for a while and then you do like a filler session in another district and you go do, you have your beach episode literally in like a beach district. Right. Right. And then you go, all right, we had (laughs) our fun. We had our rest and relaxation. We fought a weird little crab monster. Let's go somewhere else now and, you Mm -hmm. know, figure out what our next kind of arc is that we want to explore.
1: Yeah. That's so cool. I like it. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Um, We always just ask people here so that we can tell them that their game is really cool. I know, and yeah.
2: (laughs) I mean, my brain is loving it. I it's giving me all the good brain drugs right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, what sort of tools then do we need to play this game?
2: So you'll need. uh, So there's the book, which you can have as a PDF or a physical copy, and that has character sheets in it and there's also a rules reference page for players it's just sort of a quick cheat sheet for kind of key terms and flow of combat and stuff like that Uh,
1: a thing that every rpg should have this is like one of my hills to die on lately since doing the NEs, is that like every game should have like a quick start rules reference something like that in the book so that i know what i'm getting into without having to read an entire book
2: totally and it was really important for me to have it in this because this is something we'll kind of talk about is that the rules and slayers are very different than i think a lot of mm-hmm. other rpg rules in terms of how the classes work and so it was mm-hmm. important yeah. for me for everybody to have like a language that they could use that is like these are the words that kind of flow through the dna of the whole game and you as long as you understand this dna you'll understand the game. And then you will kind of graft onto this rules reference what you need to know for your character. And that's what your character sheet will allow you to, to understand. And mm-hmm. you yeah. know, Slayers came from a time when just before I was designing Slayers, I was really trying to design card games and board games. And those good card games and board games have a rules reference page that you have, mm-hmm. like a good card game always has that card right yeah. there that you keep next to you that tells you the turn order and everything. and I, And I knew... I needed to have something like that in this. Yes. Uh, so you need the book, uh, the rules reference, the uh, the character sheet. You'll also need dice or some sort of dice rolling app. Um, the game does use the polyhedral set. So you're going to need like a D4, D6, D8, D10. Uh, you're not going to need like a D20 or anything like that unless your class asks for it. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. a thing that, again, that we'll talk about. All the classes kind of play with dice a different way and there's so many third-party classes for slayers out there that I don't even know all the tools you could possibly oh. need. Because some of them require yeah. you to bring in weird elements that are just unique to your class. So some of them have their own, their own little ingredients to the recipe that they contribute. Mm. But by and large, if you have the polyhedral set of dice and the book and character sheets, you'll be you'll be set to go. There you go.
1: What kind of stories and themes are you? Are you kind of hoping people will tell with this game, um, particularly like what were you looking to do with this game when you wrote it?
2: For I mean, upfront, it's a monster hunting game, so you know you're monster mm-hmm. hunters for hire. So certainly the the sort of stories or themes that we're going for are you tracking down and hunting kind of spooky, scary monsters that are terrorizing whatever district it is that you are are in. So that means the sort of stories you know, you might get sort of like Witcher vibes where you are trying to figure out what is the monster that's the problem in this district? What do we? What can we figure out about it? What do we, how has it been affecting people? And then eventually confronting it and fighting it um, in some way that will hopefully save the district from whatever problems that the monster has been causing. Uh, so yeah. I, I, you know, I think a big touchstone to kind of lean on is that sort of Witcher vibe of you roll in, people go, Thank goodness you're here. We've got a problem. And then you figure out how to fix that problem for them.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why? I'm curious. um, Why for hire? Like, Mm -hmm. why? Why was that a thing that you picked rather than something like, you know, like it's a calling. It's a, you know. Yeah. um, Which is what you see in a lot of those kind of like Monster Hunter. Like you think like Buffy or something Mm -hmm. like that, that it's like this is a thing that I'm. Called to do, and I have a responsibility, and you
2: know, yeah, I, that kind of thing. I um, there's kind of a couple of reasons. One is because the city is infinite, and there's so many different people that are in it that could be slayers. It was hard to kind of just put a a, a thing of like you all do it for the sake of the good of the city or something like that, because to yeah. me that just didn't kind of fit the vibe of the city, which is this mm-hmm. is a pretty gnarly place oftentimes and people uh (laughs) people need to try and survive and you're there to to help them and again because my touchstone is the witcher on this and there is sort of the cold brutal reality of how witchers work which is they don't monster hunt for the kindness of their hearts they do it because of payment now there is no actual payment in slayers there's no like currency or anything that's tracked so using the term monster hunters for hire is very loose and open to your interpretation Mm -hmm. as well because Mm -hmm. you won't be collecting gold pieces and going on shopping to get like a plus one sword or anything it's more what does the like what does the district afford you or what what do you get from the district as a result of helping them out and you know there's because there's no new gear that you get as characters it's again not like You get new armor as a payment. It's more like, what are are the connections that you are creating and how are you integrating yourself into this city through this weird transactional monster hunting process?
1: Right. Mm -hmm.
2: That's interesting. Uh, I
1: also think because of the city being like so different in so many areas, the idea of like being called by one, you know, like even if you wanted to like religious or you know, like any kind of spiritual thing or like psychological thing or something like that, having it be one cohesive thing Mm -hmm. throughout a city that is so different in so many districts is is probably really difficult to it would be, right? Like like. if
2: you like you said, if you had some sort of religious calling to do this, you would there inevitably in a city like this, you would walk into a district where somebody would go, Well, that's unacceptable. Right? Like this calling that you have is and Antithetical to what we think is okay in this district. um right. Which also means that there's probably districts out there that go, the idea that you're doing this in exchange for something is horrible. And right. right. And so the Slayers. You should
1: be doing it out of right. the goodness of your heart. And yeah. And so
2: the Slayers have to kind of figure out how to navigate the immediate needs of a district. um It was one of the mm. cool things about working on. The Slayer's Almanac, which is a supplement that has like 10 new districts for it. And it's written by people from around the world. And it's this really cool amalgamation of all these different districts. And in in them, the authors would give reasons oftentimes for why Slayers would come to this district in the first place. Uh, And so you got to see these sort of like little zoom-ins on moments of like why why would they come here and what what do they get from coming here or why do people want the slayers to come here for one reason or another because in some situations Mm. yeah this place is just overwhelmed with monsters and we just need slayers but others are districts that are pretty good so like why do they need the slayers to come in and that's something for you to sort of untangle at the table interesting
1: yeah I like the storytelling opportunities mm. there too. Of mm-hmm. like, do they even want us here? Do they agree with our methods? You know, because I think there's the potential too that they could be like, mm, we, you can help us, but not that way.
2: Right. They might not. You they know? might not see the monster as something that needs to be slain. Right. And you're you're called right. a slayer, and so people mm-hmm. might be like, we don't want you to do it the way that you normally do this. <laughs> can,
1: yeah. we, can, um, can we talk about? We're that? actually calling the Monster Humane Society, uh-huh. and we very much you know would like to like foster these monsters in our release. homes yeah and, and that's, <laughs> right? that's a perfect <laughs> threat for the
2: gm to pull on right is that you have different npcs right. or factions within the district that have different perceptions about the problem that's going on and mm-hmm. some of them will be yeah. like yeah just take care of it just go kill it please and then others are like oh well hold on do we need yeah. to do yeah. it that way
0: right mm-hmm. now, now i'm picturing like capturing all the monsters you encounter and bringing them back to one district
1: yeah, like and now cool, it's the monster zoo. district, right? <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> oh. That sounds terrifying. That's pretty cool. Nothing I'm could sure go wrong. It's there. fine. It we'll yeah. be fine. We've,
1: we've quarantined the problem. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, we'll just let the monsters fight I'm each sure other. And there will be no
2: consequences to no, these actions.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, our, our next question uh, is pretty straightforward in this game that we already answered. What do characters do in this game? Um, but I, I, I'm curious, like, do do they get set out on like specific missions? Do they have like a like a central mm. agency that they work for as a group,
2: or so the, uh, are these the just individuals? slayers union? Yeah, <laughs> there's there's no like slayers um like central hub or anything. There is a district that I put in the book called Slayer's Row, which is sort of like ostensibly, if you wanted to have a hub place, it, it's the place where Slayers come and go between missions. You kind of have to figure out how they keep getting back to this place in an infinitely expanding city. Like, you know, in your own world, in your own version of the city, all the districts that your characters would go to would be in theory somewhere close to where Slayer's Row is, or there's multiple Slayers Rows um Mm -hmm. but by and large you all are largely independent and that's a a big part of the you know a part of creating your character is understanding like why are you a slayer were you trained to become a slayer did you just kind of fall into this and when you begin a hunt which is sort of what the the gameplay loop is the mission structure is is you're going to roll up into a city And somebody is going to approach you, either somebody approached you from outside of that district and came to you and said, can you please come here and take care of this? Or you can kind of treat yourselves as just wanderers who wander into a town and go, I wonder what's going on here. And then someone inevitably is going to say, yeah, we got a problem and we would like (laughs) you to, to, to come take care of it. So once you get that hook of this is the district that you're either going to or that you are in already. And here's kind of the idea of the problem. You then go through the process of trying to seek out information, learn more about the monster, learn about what's going on in the district until you can eventually confront it. Feels very monster of the weekish, too, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Like, you know that there is, like, this is the thing, the looming threat that's out there, and you you might know some semblance of, like, what it is, but you don't know necessarily all the full details about it. And through play throughout the session, you try and gather up some information to either help you find it, help you figure out what its weaknesses are, figure mm. out its motivations, you know, why is it doing what it's doing? Um how do the people in the district want you to deal with it? And then eventually mm. it comes to the point where you finally do confront the monster and do what it is you do.
0: Okay. Is is there like a built-in sort of end game to the to the game or is it like you, you just do this until I-
1: I feel like if the city's infinitely expanding.
0: Well, right. But I mean like right. can can you Unless your characters- now there's a
1: promise that all the districts that come for like come from here on out don't have any monsters. These are all monster free. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> well that's another, you know, that's another thing that I kind of allude to a little bit in the, the setting, and it's up to you to interpret is like, are the monsters that are in these districts, do they come with the district when it gets built into the city or are the monsters like the immune system of the city and they are trying to fight off whatever is going on? Are they a, are they an aspect of the curse? Like the, the monsters themselves are still nebulous as well in terms of why are they in these districts in the first place? Right. Is the, did the monster come with the district when it was absorbed in, did it get created the second the district got turned into a part of the city? Um, And so as a result, if the city keeps building until we figure out why these monsters are coming in, or or what's causing them to exist, there's always going to be need for slayers. Um, so kind of the the idea of the game is that you would you kind of just keep playing, and as long as you want to be hunting hunting monster, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, yeah, very cool. Um, our our next question is what is unique about this game, and in particular, I want to ask about the things that like. Most fascinated me when I was first reading mm. it, which is the asymmetry mm. of the character types. Mm-hmm. Um, about like what that means, um, and and why that was important to you.
2: Yeah, I I the asymmetry thing is the thing that is my the gold star on on Slayers, and the thing that I'm so I'm proud of. It's the thing I'm proud of some yeah. that I think is the kind of the 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 hook to it. Like the setting is fun and all that, but like playing a game that plays like Slayers is. Just, I'm going to guess probably pretty different than how most people play role playing games. And it's because of that asymmetry that you mentioned. So to me, asymmetrical classes are classes that do wildly different things while playing the same game. Um, This came as an inspiration because I love board games and board games do a really good job of allowing for asymmetrical play, meaning two or more players are playing the same board game together or card game but they have different rules by which they engage with the game. So, for example, mm-hmm. um, I play a lot of Netrunner. I love Netrunner. And it's a two-player card game, and the runner and the corp, are they both have cards, but what they do with those cards is so different from each other. Um, mm-hmm. Or another example is Root, the board game, where you're the these various forest factions trying to kind of do something, control the forest, move things around in the forest, and everything like that. But everybody who plays Root is playing the game differently around the same table, even though you're playing on the same map. And so one person might have this really complex like engine building thing going on. The other person might have one on one, one, one player has a massive empire. The other player is controlling one little raccoon that moves around in the forest. And you, you're you both playing the same <laughs> board game. And yeah. I looked at that and I said, I want that to be in my role playing games. I want my role playing games to feel like that because, you know, at the time I was playing and running fantasy campaigns and something that i write in the book which is to me a lot of role-playing games are unsatisfying in if you've got like a reality warping wizard who's changing the the landscape of the world through magic and then a Mm -hmm. a legendary fighter who's got this flame sword of what you know of of legend when it comes time to do your character stuff you're both doing the same thing you're both rolling a d20 and then adding a modifier and to me those two experiences should feel really really different from each other mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so i created slayers with sort of this assumption that each class is going to have their own rules by which they play combat specifically so once, once you get into fighting a monster each class in the book plays it kind of almost their own little mini game in terms of how they deal with the monster themselves it, with this sort of like undercurrent that we're all rolling dice. There are different size dice. There are different amounts of dice. Then we're doing different things with the dice. But any die that rolls a four or above is a success. And so now you can roll whatever size dice you want, however many you want. As long as you're looking for four pluses, you're golden. Mm-hmm. And so each class then has its own thing so like the blade is all about combos and getting exploding dice that just uh, combo again and again and again the the gunslinger is a literally a resource management where you put six dice in a circle in front of you to represent your six bullets in your revolver and you're literally picking them up as you're deciding which bullets to spend and rolling them um mm the arcanist does a push your luck component to spell casting where you can burn bright but it will probably burn you back uh and oh, then the the tactician does a totally different thing everybody they're all totally different but the tactician rolls a big pool of dice and is doing dice swapping the entire combat so they get all their dice rolling oh. done at the beginning and then they watch and they're moving and changing dice as the co- the flow of combat goes depending on how they are trying to. Slow down enemies or help their uh their ally their fellow slayers fight more effectively, and so that's that's kind of the gimmick of the game is if everybody gets to do their own unique thing, then you really feel like your class, and that's the goal is that the mechan- the combat mechanics for your class are there to make you actually feel like whatever that class is supposed to do
1: and I really liked how it this concept challenges what we think about as balance Mm. and the importance of balance Mm -hmm. in games because i think you'll see when we start to kind of build these characters that it's not that they aren't balanced Mm. it's not that like one is infinitely more powerful or better or like when you sit down to play the game it's like there's a correct Mm -hmm. choice you know there's like which there are in some games that it's like okay if you want to be as effective as you can. You need to play this class, this way, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's not the case. They are equally as effective at doing their thing. It's just that the thing that they're doing is different from each other. Mm -hmm. And so I really liked the way that it it makes every player type, every character type feel unique um, without feeling like there is a correct or Mm -hmm. better choice and it just it really challenges the way we look at things being balanced or min-maxing or something like that Mm. in a game and i loved that it just like blew my mind a little bit it was like oh like we we can do this where things are really different without like sacrificing playability
0: Mm. and i I, I really like how like that does open it up for all these like fan-made classes yes. that yeah that can just go wild with their thought process on how to do this as long as it's if you're rolling four plus you're good to go right
2: right it's it's incredible i mean i've looked i've the there's a massive list of third-party slayer mm-hmm. up out there and it's just every time i see somebody release something and I see how they approach that class and the, the yeah. you know, the mechanic that they brought in to hit that four plus. And I go, that's really clever. You know, I I hadn't thought about doing it that way. And it's, so it's really mm-hmm. cool that everybody gets to play the class exactly the way that they want to play it. And another big part of that for me is then it allows flexibility of crunch. So, mm-hmm. you know, if players are you're going to have a unique variety of people at your table who will have different levels of desire of crunch in games different amount of executive function that they bring to the table right and so as a result you can choose a class that's going to fit with your buy-in or what is appropriate for what Mm -hmm. you want to be doing in a game you know there are classes that are going to be a little bit crunchy they're going to you're going to need to be making more decisions and then there's others where you can be like I did my one thing that I'm really good at and now I get to kind of like hang out for a little bit and then I'll kind of like do another thing. And it's, it's there. It allows you to find the play style that fits for you when playing a game. And yeah. that, that's really important to me as a, as a, as a psychologist, yeah. it's more, a cognitive psychologist <laughs> right. in particular, it's but, important for me to consider yeah. things like executive function while, while in cognitive load, yeah. while people are playing role-playing games.
1: Yeah. And I, and I love that. Cause I think in a lot of cases, I look at it as a person with executive function problems and I'm like, do I have it in me to play this mm. game or should I play a different game? And it's really nice to be like, no, I can play this game. I can just like play a different part of it, Yeah, you know, and still be able to like not have to like learn a whole new system, which is also a challenge <laughs> yeah. for people with executive function <laughs> problems. Um, you know, cause there are times where I'm like, I, like, I can't do a crunchy mm. game, yeah. you know, like I just can't, Um and now it's like, oh, we can keep playing the same game. I can just like adjust how I'm yeah. playing it or, you know, something like that. And and I love the ability to do that. It just, I don't know. It's not something that I've seen in, I'm sure there are games that do it, but it's not something that you see very frequently because I think we've really become kind of like obsessed with balance And, you know, um, like, min-maxing is such a part of this hobby in general. Like, in the past, it's been, you know, Ryan is a filthy min-maxer, any chance he gets. Um, Whereas me, I'm like, I don't know, like, what bad choices can I make? Mm, (laughs) I'm like, this is narratively interesting. Um, I just, I really love this asymmetric play style like it's so cool oh, yeah it's it, so, cool. it, it's so
0: fascinating it so <laughs> like this whole time i've been thinking how how can i introduce a a tumbling block tower mm-hmm. into one of the classes like pull pull a brick put it on top to gain another die in your pool yeah or something exactly. right and then like that tension would be a core concept of that character type and like what does that apply to and like now i'm like building a class in my brain based off <laughs> so of a, like a single slowly mechanic
1: like increasing or like absorbing power or something and then yeah. like you hit that limit where you just like
2: yeah yeah like, i don't
1: know eats you from the inside out when your tower falls i love over. that
2: exactly yeah and there you go. And I, you've already got like the and foundational element of the slayer's class to the point where it, you know <laughs> you could you could kind of just flesh out a couple other things and you've got it. It's done. And that's that's.
1: Stop making us make this new is things. A, this has
2: literally always been my <laughs> is goal. This
1: payback for Mars. This is payback.
2: <laughs> this is like it is. It has always been a goal of mine when I make things is to make something that other people can can make things for so that they can understand that design is an approachable process because how I got mm-hmm. started in design was through hacking and making things that for that already existed right I didn't start by making my right. own system and so by by seeing t- uh, somebody handing me a toolbox and then I can m- play with those tools it allowed me to just kind of get a sense of how design worked before I decided okay I'll build my own thing so for me mm-hmm. if I can make a game that makes you go oh I can make. I can make a class. Uh, And you, you, you know, you spend a little time, you make this cool character or this class, and then you go, Oh, this is a, this is a doable thing. I can do design. That's, that's always been something I, I strive for Mm -hmm. with my
1: stuff. Yes,
2: absolutely. Well, I,
0: I'm very excited to get to character creation. Um, But we, we do have a couple uh, housekeeping things to go through to learn a little bit more about the game. Mm. Uh, so this is the part where we talk about the history of the game. And since you're here, uh, you're our living Wikipedia. <laughs> um, <laughs> when, when did you start working on Slayers?
2: Slayers is uh, it's an old project of mine. Um, it was released technically in 2020. I think when I looked it up before we started today, I think it was like September of 2020 is when it was uh, released Mm -hmm. on twitch not twitch itch (laughs) uh (laughs) and but i you know i had been working on it for a while before then because i had always had this concept of this asymmetrical class thing but even that didn't that wasn't how Slayer started slayers started as two completely different games that i was working on independently one was i was trying to create a game that would mimic the um feelings of a 2d fighting game so like combos like Ooh. street fighters and things uh, like that oh. and that's where the blade combo uh you know exploding die thing come came from and then oh. i was also working on a gunslinging rpg where you managed a pool of six bullets that you were using and kind of that resource management and so i had peanut butter and jelly in two different places and they were not going anywhere and i was like can I just smash these things together? Can I just force them to somehow <laughs> kiss one Too another? Takes. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and it turns out I could. And, the, you know, it, it took, there were many iterations of Slayers to figure out before I got to the rule of four plus, because I had to figure out if I was going to do this asymmetry thing where there was going to be different classes, which I knew the second I put those things together, I was like, okay, that's the thesis of the game. How do you make that, even possible uh, if yeah. if they are doing such different things. And, you know, early versions of the game had like an equivalent of armor class. Uh, and so, you know, people would be rolling and it didn't matter what you were rolling because you were rolling for a certain armor class. But then that didn't really work because dice use different sizes across things and so like if something had an armor class of nine it would be impossible if you only did sixes unless you did it was this whole thing i was like oh that didn't work yeah. and then i did another version where your armor class was equivalent to your position in the turn order or something like that it was related to like turn order so that people who were earlier in the turn order were harder to hit because they were faster or more responsive and Damn. a lot of the game was actually about moving people around in the turn order so you would, would try to like slow down enemies so that they would become vulnerable so that you could hurt them so that would that was my other attempt to try and like figure out how to get the the dice to work and then i realized yeah. it's way simpler looking at all the dice going oh they all have a four on them interesting <laughs> <Brilliant>. <laughs> uh, and then just kind of that that kind of moment of clarity where I went, Oh, okay, that's it. All I need to do is make sure that if you roll a four plus, however you get to it, that's mm-hmm. going to be the success. And so that's how it kind of like the mechanical engine eventually came forth. It was two separate things. that I wanted to work together so badly that I had to go through a lot of iterations. And and Mike, who did the art and layout for the updated version, he was there for me during like the early play tests. we were moving little figurines on his you know, on his dining room table in his apartment and we're trying to figure out how to make this armor class thing work and it wasn't working. And then eventually the Eureka four plus moment. Mm-hmm. And then the game kind of just it went from there. And I, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with it in terms of like, was it going to be a a whole thing? Was it going to be, I, I had at one point thought the original version of how Slayers is going to be released is it was going to be piecemeal that you would get something like, like I was gonna start a Patreon or something for it. And once mm. once a month you would get a new thing. It would either be a new class or a new district. And I originally had kind of envisioned like the districts being released as these hexagons so that you could kind of build your own city map over time and like it would just kind of keep oh, coming out. Cool. And I still kind of love that idea. But yeah. I, you know, I never I eventually said, no, I wanna I wanna make the I wanna make it a whole thing rather than I'm I'm an incredibly impatient person. So when I have something like done it's very very hard for me to sit on it i just it has to get out um and so i was like i have enough of this done that there's no way future spencer is going to be patient enough to do this and so i i then decided okay let's try and make this as a as a book and that's how it became the game that it became nice that's awesome
1: i and i love that like because of the community involvement um, in it too. Like stuff is still continuously coming out um, and you haven't even had to do that any of the work. It,
2: it, one, of my, <laughs> my, one of my favorite things about the fact that people make things for it is that I, it, it like reinvigorates my desire to play the game. Cause like I played mm-hmm. the classes in the book enough times throughout my own time play testing and getting a general vibe for the game but so when somebody makes a new class I go ah it's like a new fresh way for me to experience my own game that I have not mm-hmm. actually had a chance to experience and so uh it's it's great for me because then I can go great now I can remember what it's like to play Slayers as somebody who has who's going to experience that idea of newness which you don't get to do a lot right. as a designer when you just kind of you have your box and you're like, I've been staring at this box forever and I know all of its parts perfectly. Uh, that third, mm-hmm. third party stuff kind of really is is a really a fantastic breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm.
1: And I think it gives you a chance to like look at your own game in a new way, too, and say like, mm-hmm. oh, like I hadn't even, you know, this person picked up on this part of what I've written um, that like I didn't necessarily even think that much about like I didn't even think it was that important Mm -hmm. but here they've made this whole mechanic based around it and Mm -hmm. um it gives you a whole new a whole new way to look at it and sometimes that's inspiring too
2: yeah absolutely it's it's incredible what hook in a game is the thing that really grabs somebody because you might think it's going to be one thing and then somebody gets really into another element of your game and they lean in on Mm -hmm. that and you go oh I didn't think that would be the thing but it is the thing for you and Mm-hmm. I love that it yeah. is the thing for you because now yeah. it's suddenly the thing for me, <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's right? really cool, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And then again, you... and that that conversation, of like I didn't know I wanted right. that, uh-huh. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> and that's how you get Nova Mars, exactly.
2: <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> right. I thought I had, I thought I had been good with where I was at with Nova, and then you incepted me, and now look <laughs> at me you got twenty different Nova <laughs> things going on. Uh huh. <laughs> uh
1: uh-huh. Um all right our final question before we sit down and actually dig into this um are there any basic terms or concepts that you think people should know um to follow along with us Yeah
2: so you know all the classes that we are going to be looking at they have like I said their own rules in terms of how they play but there are some things that are kind of universal to the game so like we have the idea of a hit being uh, whenever you see the word hit, it's a four plus sort of thing on a die, regardless of the size of the die. Miss is going to be anything that's not four plus. Um, All of our characters are going to have some form of health, something to track their, you know, their uh, life throughout combat. Um, Other things that are kind of universal to our characters, there's a, a thing called speed, which is the die that we roll to determine our place in the initiative. Some characters have bigger speed dice than others, which indicates that they're usually better to be quicker. Um, And then every class has three types of actions. It's just what those actions actually do are mechanically very different. But every class has sort of the same three main ingredients, which is a ready action, which is what their character does at the start of combat. Every character is going to do something to kind of get themselves ready. They have an attack action, which is usually where you see the unique widget. That is what that class is all about. Um, And then they have a quick action, which is, again, something that kind of informs the role that the, the class is meant to play in the team or help reinforce whatever that unique aspect is. And that's those are kind of the primary things that I think we would need to know for character creation. Those are the things that we'll kind of be all looking at, regardless of which class we look at.
1: Um, actually, one more thing too before we, before we dive into this, along with that rule of four that I meant to ask about, um, the the concept of failure with weight. Mm. Can you just like talk about that for a minute? Yeah, too? this is a
2: thing that I think a lot of role playing games are, are. A lot of folks have kind of figured this out, and you know, it's one thing that I just kind of emphasize, which is you know, you shouldn't be rolling all the time uh, if if there's no. The, the consequences of failure don't have what I call weight, meaning there's going to be some sort of substantial impact to the character's experience or the scene, or there's like a failure is not an interesting state to get into. Then mm-hmm. it's not worth rolling. Um, I generally because I like my games to be quicker sessions anyway. I don't inundate them with a lot of rolling. I, I don't have a lot of checks in my games because I don't think checks are usually something that are a particularly exciting thing to do because a failure on a check, like a perception check is usually not a great thing. Or like a knowledge check that you fail is also really kind of a.
1: Now I know that there's something out there that I don't know, but you're not going to tell me what it is. And Like
2: either Mm -hmm. I should just know that I don't know it, or I know that I know it. Um, We don't oftentimes grapple with that puzzle of knowingness. I mean, Again, if my, if I put on my psychology hat, I can spend hours. Right? Yeah, like we <laughs> grapple with that all <laughs> <Right>. day long. <laughs> but, but like, in a game, yes. for me, when we play, we're only picking up those dice if there's uh, an element of failure that is interesting for us, either because it will have a consequence that is sub- substantial of some kind, or we can think that the complications that would arise from failure paint the scene in an interesting way. Mm.
1: Yeah, which I really like that concept, because I think there's nothing worse In a game than like somebody being like, okay, roll for this. And then like, even when you do succeed, they're like, "Mm, nothing happens. Like you'd roll that perception check and it was like, you see that there's nothing. And I was like, well, why?
2: Why did yeah. I do it? Right. What was the, yeah. What uh-huh. was the
1: point of that? Like, you know, or the opposite where like you roll and you fail it and they're like, you don't see anything. You're like, okay, but like, did I really not see anything? Or like, do I just think yep. that I didn't see anything and there is something right. and now I'm going to spend the whole time being anxious that there still is something around the corner because I know that I didn't see it as a player. Like, yeah. Or, I can't or you see that, the wrong like, thing,
0: right? Like right, Oh, yeah. Right. Like a, you're like, oh,
1: it was just a cat. Just and a cat, Actually, yeah. it's yeah, a leopard. Um, I, you know, and that's not interesting yeah. either, because it's like I, I, it's anxiety inducing. <laughs> is what it is.
2: <laughs> I, I watched enough, you know, APs back in the day, where like you would watch players either fail checks, and then all be kind of like, okay, well, what does it actually mean? Or, you know, even worse situations where like a role is called for when failure is almost certainly an impossibility. And you're like, why would I, why do I need to roll right now? Like I, there's almost Mm -hmm. certainly no way I could fail. And if I do fail this role, GM, you're going to have a really weird bit of mental gymnastics you're going to have to do to explain why I failed and what that even means. Um, And so-
1: like I have a plus 20 on this roll and you just asked me to roll a d20 and I don't It's going to happen,
2: right? It's just it's going right? to happen. Let let's let it happen. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Which is something that I I really appreciate cuz it's a player and and more and more when I like think about in the very occasional times when I do run games it's like I, like don't ask for a roll if nothing's mm-hmm. going to happen. Just mm-hmm. like that's not interesting. Like if failure is not an option or if failure just means nothing, then like Let's not mm. do that. Yeah. Let's not do that. Well, I mean, and inversely, like, like if if there's like a clue or something that it's like you need to know this to move the story forward, then just give it mm. to them. Like don't make them roll right. for it because like otherwise you're stuck there and you're like, okay, well, now what do we right. do?
0: Right. And one of the things I think of when I think of this sort of thing is like climbing, right? Like there's some systems out there. I believe it's, I believe Palladium has this where oh, every X number of feet, you have to roll oh. another check. Right, uh-huh. and if you fail the the consequence is you're falling right, right. and and you take x d damage out of like every ten feet, and oops, your character died because you weren't proficient enough in climbing. That's not interesting at all. I'm, if yeah. your character's like this powerhouse <laughs> right like even if you have a a full percentage in palladium of ninety eight percent There's still a two percent chance that you're going to fall to your death. Yeah, and that's ridiculously like not fun, right? If you're, especially if you're a superhero. Right. It's just like, (laughs) come on, come on.
1: And yeah, I mean, I feel like at that point it's like, okay, I've started climbing. Clearly, I can climb. Yeah. Why? You
0: get tired. Okay.
1: Oh, like, can you continue doing the thing that you're doing? That lactic
0: acid's building up in those muscles. (laughs) I. Better, better make sure that adrenaline's pumping.
2: Roll for that adrenaline. adrenaline. <laughs> Roll for Roll adrenaline. for lactic yep. acid. Right. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, now,
0: now we're just biology, the RPG.
1: Right? <laughs> uh, I just want you to know that in the LARP of that, I'm doing terribly. Mm, uh-huh, uh-huh.
0: <laughs> It's fine.
1: All I, kinds of chemical imbalances.
0: Yeah. I, I do love uh like people that are familiar with PBTA, mm-hmm. um, I think would lock, lock latch at, onto this failure with weight uh mechanic like really well because that's that's just a six minus in PBTA where it's like, oh yeah, I failed. Well, now something bad narratively is gonna happen. Or right. I do the thing even. But there's going to be a real bad result Mm. because of it, right? Like, I I Mm -hmm. got what I wanted, but not the way I wanted it. And now I'm sad.
2: Yeah. To me, the worst thing that could ever happen is you attempt something and they say, it doesn't work and nothing happens. And then you go, okay, so now we're we're literally back just in the same state we were in before. Nothing has changed in the scene. And all Mm -hmm. we did is...
1: Except now I feel bad. Yeah, now I feel bad
2: that I didn't accomplish a thing. And that just, that doesn't... Again, since I play faster sessions, there something has to be happening. If something isn't happening, mm-hmm. then, you know, then we're not slowing down the conversation to pick up the dice. Right. Right. right.
0: Well, um, I think we're at the fateful point where we mm-hmm. can uh, potentially make some people, do we? Let's should make we make some people. Some people? make some people? Let's make some people. Let's make some people.
1: Make some people. All right, Ryan. Yeah. What character type do you want to make? <laughs>
0: I wanted to see if I could recreate Lena inverse in this game um lena inverse the title the, the 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 main character of the anime series from the nineties Slayers okay who is a uh really uh over the top magic user uh which is why i I wanted to uh run it by you because i I know you amelia. Mm, I watching a
1: fight. <laughs> I know your eyes. on my your eyes. The like watching our face. Oh, he's no. like, hey, he look at face.
2: Um, I'm in danger. So, so right. So.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Um, notably, <laughs> uh, she is also good with a sword. Okay. So I could go the blade route as well. I, yeah, I don't think Tactician would work but the the main reason like her her big uh attack is like this mountain destroying blast of energy it's like basically Mm -hmm. a weapon of mass destruction spell that she's reinvigorated in the world and and like she just uses it on everything uh which was kind of the running gig
1: okay so my argument for myself (laughs) would be (laughs) uh (laughs) the description for the Arcanist. Ugh. The Arcanist is a spellcaster whose power comes from a source that is slowly destroying them. Yeah. I can't...
0: <laughs> no, I have to give it do to you. that. I have I can't to give it to you. I can't not Like, if
1: there's something that is destroying you from the inside out, yeah. that's an Amelia.
0: I would but, feel like, that's, bad taking that I could that try from to you. do
1: something else. Okay, no. like, the other option, too, is I I could. Dear listeners, I am nothing, not magnanimous. <laughs> <laughs> I could pick a gunslinger and I could make my own Dirt Stranglethorn.
0: Oh, it does sound fun. But then you wouldn't have the Arcanist.
1: (laughs) I know, and that feels wrong.
0: It does feel wrong. (laughs) It does feel wrong. It feels really wrong. (laughs) Although it does feel fun to create a Dirt Stranglethorn.
1: It does. It does, but maybe not as fun for me because all my characters are a Dirt Stranglethorn.
0: Right. The equivalent.
1: Right.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um...
1: So maybe we should let Spencer pick whatever Spencer wants to pick. And then we can... Oh, no.
2: Nah, I'm going to take the Arcanist and just <laughs> nobody. Right? I just like, nobody. you know what? If
1: you're going to fight over it, nobody, nobody gets Nobody it. gets
2: the Arcanist.
1: <laughs> you use your mom voice now.
2: Um, <laughs> Interesting, interesting, interesting. Um, Call to watch action.
1: Yeah, like that. I really, really love this game. I read it for the Ennies. I think yeah. I mentioned that like a bunch of times in the episodes. Hey everyone, did you know I was an Ennies judge? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was one that all of us really enjoyed and it it did get nominated in a couple categories. Yeah. Um, but it was up against heart. So oh, yeah. that was like the darling that year. That makes sense. Um but like I the first time I read it I was I was so excited about that asymmetrical. Yeah character building and stuff and um i don't know i think i like forgot to tell you about it because i, did? Cause I Cause read so many games yeah it, you know?
0: ca- it came out of the blue for me i'm like oh slayers that sounds cool and then like yeah. oh asymmetrical character creation what the right
1: heck? right yeah and so i like i like i said i was reading so many games at that point yeah. that i think i forgot to be like oh by the way this one <laughs> um <laughs> And um, so That's I'm really fine. glad that that Spencer brought it up and was like, "We could talk about this one." Um, yeah, it was so good. Big, big props to Spencer for bailing us out this month because yes. we kind of last minute still didn't have a guest, and so we reached out to uh, out to him and we were like, "You got games, right?"
0: Yeah, <laughs> just a few. Just to come few. on our show. Some of them yeah. are completed.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. And many are not. <laughs> Maybe are That's, okay. That's okay. That's okay.
0: Uh, so that's yeah, okay. no, I was really excited to cover this as well, and to learn about the setting and and all the different character types, and like the the plethora of third party content that's out there for the game.
1: Yeah, that's, that's always fun.
0: Fascinating, and like mm-hmm. it still has my noodle working to like uh, maybe maybe I can uh, you'll find out in the next episode, but my noodle wanted mm-hmm. to like start designing something for this and i'm like oh my god you gotta
1: stop saying that every time we cover a game be like oh i could like no you couldn't
0: i could if i really really wanted to but i will not we
1: were so preoccupied
0: (laughs) very preoccupied (laughs) with plenty of other things
1: we did not stop to think whether we should i know
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's that's the game designer creed right there
1: it is (laughs) It is. All of us just have that gift from Jurassic Park running through our head constantly. Uh huh. Like. Uh huh.
0: Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. It's it's fine. Uh. But I, I'm glad this game exists, and like, it's such an interesting prez, uh premise, and mm-hmm. and Spencer was fantastic as usual. Yeah. Um. I I know there's plenty of other games that we can probably hold them upside down and shake out of his pockets if we need to. Right. Uh, at later times. So. Yeah. Uh, or
1: we can just have him come on our show. And then tell him what games he should make.
0: That's true too.
1: Because um, so far that's gone really well for us. So
0: <laughs> we'll see. We'll, see. we'll there's, see. There's still design docs in, in, in right. play. So
1: pretty soon he's going to start doing it back to us. I know, right? <laughs> um, before we sign off for the day, we do have a couple of calls to action. First up, it is still Girl Scout cookie time. Uh, my daughter is selling cookies for the Girl Scouts. If you want to get some cookies and help her out in the process, we've made it super easy this year. You can go to cookies.charactercreationcast.com and that will take you right to Eleanor's page where you can order to your heart's content. Um, So if you don't already have a Girl Scout in your life, um, please feel free to borrow my Girl Scout Mm -hmm. and get some cookies from her. I think the sales go, my brain says like 24th of March, but I don't. No, for sure it's definitely mid-march at least so yeah get some cookies
0: get some cookies i did uh and they came very fast so like i didn't have to wait too terribly long ship them Mm -hmm. right to your door
1: i know they can you can do direct ship now i also we had to do the girl delivery so i got mine but
0: there you go well that that makes yours a lot easier it does (laughs) (laughs) Well, another call to action point to cover is that Amelia and I were guests on another podcast together. Uh, We joined up with Star over at the Characters Without Stories podcast to talk about our characters from the Passion de las Passiones series last month. Uh, This podcast allows people to further explore their unplayed characters uh, to hopefully better cope with the, the sad, sad reality that we have to every single month. Uh, of characters that you make, but you never ever get to play, <laughs>
1: yeah, it, I mean, honestly, like Star reached out to us and was like, "This is the perfect companion show to what it we're
0: doing, is. yeah, it was such a delightful time. Like the discussion we had was phenomenal, e- even the discussion outside of talking about our characters uh, yeah. it yeah. was it was really good. It was a nice conversation i really wish we could have gone longer but um yeah you know uh you know we'll us. just have
1: to go back on another time we've got yeah. lots of characters yeah so
0: <laughs> star uh reach out to us anytime uh it was a, a thrill to be on your show absolutely but uh the episode's fantastic uh, we hope you check it out uh, and we'll have a link to that in the show notes
1: Another thing to check out is the newest Character Creation Chronicle newsletter that we published at the end of last month. This newsletter talked a bit about last month's game, a message for our fans, um, as well as some really exciting up-and-coming news that we'll talk about more closer to the end of this month. Mm -hmm. There's also some other fun stuff in there. um, we think it came together really nicely.
0: Yeah. So
1: you can find all of our newsletters and sign up to get it emailed to you directly at newsletter.charactercreationcast.com. Mm-hmm.
0: Next up, uh, last episode of Undying Bonds released last, uh, released last week on our Patreon. Uh, we covered some really, really cool stuff that episode uh, where we started to brainstorm the different types of characters that you'll be able to play in the game. Uh, and, you know, that's that's our whole thing. So, like...
1: Yeah. It's, Character it's, types that one Spencer Campbell called. Oh, my God, that's incredible.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> we're going to put that on the tin. Right, yeah. <laughs> but uh, we also made the announcement that any backers at the $5 and up level on our Patreon will get copies of the game as we iterate through the versions. Uh, we don't have anything playable yet, but as soon as we do... Uh, you, you'll get some uh, nice little goodies in Yield Patreon at that level. Mm-hmm. Um, to get all of that plus more, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash character creation cast in order to hear all the latest design decisions uh, we're making. Uh, and you'll also get a whole bunch of other bonus content. Uh, we've really been enjoying putting all of this together.
1: It's It's been so much fun. And those... Like sparks of creative moments are just like, yeah, uh, yeah, so good. I'm like doing little start. I know.
0: Little jazz Um, jazz hand sparkles.
1: Yeah. (laughs) In addition to the Undying Bonds episodes, you will also get weekly chit chats between Ryan and I, where we talk about whatever's on our mind for somewhere between 15, 15 and 60 minutes. Mm hmm. Um, You can also get personal thank you cards, some Zoom hangouts with us, and other patrons at higher levels, which are always a blast, Mm -hmm. as well as personal thank yous right here on the episode. So without further ado, uh, Lieutenant, thank you so much.
0: Uh, We're glad to have you here, DJG, otherwise known as Tigranosaurus. Thank you so much for supporting.
1: Eric Bontz, thank you for your continued support.
0: Shadim Cabal, thank you.
1: We appreciate your support, Daryl Holiday II. Thank you so much.
0: The Shyest Barbarian, thank you so much as well.
1: Benjamin Sweeney, thank you for your continued support.
0: Lorcan McInnes, we appreciate your support. Thank you.
1: Rob Fletcher, thank you so much for supporting us.
0: Kevin Brown, thank you as well.
1: Tentacle Duck. (laughs) Thank you.
0: (laughs) Uh, We're glad to have you here, John Adamus. Thank you so much for supporting.
1: And keep crushing it for the Lord. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thank you, A3 Sketchpad.
0: Cole McCallum, we appreciate your support. Thank you.
1: And Carlos Salazar, thank you so much.
0: And thank you to all of our supporters in the future. We couldn't make this show as easily without your assistance. If you want to join this list of fantastic folks and help us out in the process, please head on over to patreon.com slash character creation cast to find out about all the amazing stuff our Patreon has to offer.
1: If you want to support us in a different way, feel free to recommend the show to other folks online or in person. Just walk up to Rantos on the street and be like hey have you heard (laughs) Um, you could also leave a rating on Apple Podcasts Podchaser or even Podcast Addict and our Facebook page we will read those out right here like this updated iTunes review by someone called Badgerfish7 (laughs) from the United States it is titled character good show cool games that are interesting
0: I love this review so much
1: it's Is a great review. Um, and I know I did read that in a slightly mocking tone, but please know that that is a review from my child, and they uh really went for it. Really went for it. It's true, it's true that I did not ask them to review it. Uh Uh-huh. Um, so thank you, Nate. I appreciate (laughs) that so much. Badger for seven. Absolutely. Until next time, take care everyone, stay safe, drink some water, enjoy the rest of your week, and keep making those amazing people. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for part one of this character creation series. We'll be back in part two, picking up
0: This podcast is owned by us under Creative Commons. This episode was edited by Ryan Bolter. Further information for the game systems used in today's guest can also be found in the show notes. If you'd like to support our show, find us on Patreon. Get access to bonus episodes, extra outtakes, and much more at Patreon.com/slash Character Creation Cast. Thanks for joining us, and remember. We find the best part of any role-playing game is character creation. So go out there and create some amazing people. We'll see you next time.